Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. All right, welcome y'all. Today we have my first interview with two guests at the same time. So these are two PAs that I met during the during my furlough and they live in different parts of the country but we all connected over PA issues, specifically PA burnout. So I got excited when I found out there was a group of PAs on Facebook um, focused specifically on wellness and burnout. And so Talia Sierra and Heidi Brown, they're the girls, and they help lead this group and do a lot of work for physician assistants in burnout. So I thought they would be great guests to tell us their story. So welcome, ladies. Welcome. Thanks. Hi, it's nice to be here. Hi, Heidi. Thank you. Yeah, so hopefully their voices are different enough. (laughs) We'll try to differentiate who's who since y'all can only hear their voices. All right, so let's see. I've heard y'all's story, but how did the two of y'all meet? I'll let Heidi tell that one because she's perfect at it. This is my favorite story. So um, Talia and I actually met when we were very young, like 17, 18 years old. We were working as CNAs together at... um, a brain hospital, brain rehab hospital, trauma hospital. And um, Talia ended up going her own way and I ended up going my own way. But when we were working together, I just really appreciated my time with Talia and, and just the way that she cared for her patients even then. Um, and then about 10 years later, we actually um, met again whenever we were at a triathlon swim training group together. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, Talia was a PA and I was a PA and it was very exciting. And um, so just kind of got back together again and kind of bonded again and kind of was able to explore our own experiences and our own kind of um, experiences with burnout and decided that we needed to be doing more for our peers to be able to help them as well. Yeah. And so when y'all were, I wanted to clarify CNA, certified nursing assistant, I'm assuming y'all were doing that to get your hours so you could, or experience so you could get into PA school. I was just trying to pay bills. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so then y'all ran into each other 10 years later, and did y'all connect more as PAs, physician assistants, or were y'all both moms at the time, or were you, did y'all get into talking about how you were burned out? (laughs) Well, we, I guess we connected because we were both doing triathlon training, and that's something I never had seen myself ever doing, and then, yeah, we were both moms um, at that point, and also both PAs working in kind of the same city, so it was really kind of serendipitous. Yeah. 
And then at what point did y'all decide that, or at what point did y'all start talking about burnout? Like at this point in your careers, when y'all ran into each other again, were you burned out? No, we weren't burned out at that point in time. Um, we, in fact, probably, we lost contact again, probably for a couple of years after that. And then we, I don't remember how we got back in touch again. Maybe we just kind of infrequently kept in touch. I don't quite remember, but um, I had experienced my own severe bout of burnout um, a, number, a couple of years after that, that was um, pretty significant and really affected, you know, like every aspect of my life and ability to function. Um, and you had reached out to Heidi and she was able to, to help me some, but we were also talking about it. Well, she helped me a lot, but we were talking about it and she had had her own episode of burnout, her own experiences with it. And, you know, we got to talking about how common it is. And at that time, there really wasn't any research out there. There was nothing out there as far as PAs are concerned. And what was out there was just a bunch of statistics as far as physicians are concerned. And so, you know, we thought this is so common, even among PAs, and there's nothing out there and the PA programs aren't doing anything to help prepare us to deal with this in our careers. Um, and over the years, more data and research has come out. And we know that now PAs tend to experience burnout between five and nine years of experience. So we know that it happens very early in the careers and that it's just about as frequent, if not more so than what we see in physicians. And so um, we really, I guess, felt driven or compelled, like it was our own kind of personal mission to try and bring awareness to this and try and help other people who are suffering from the same thing. Yeah, because once you go through that, it's it just like you said, it bleeds over into every part of your life. You yes, and you contacted Hattie because Hattie was working in psychiatry, right? She was, and I was like, I need some psych help yeah. <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One of the things I found really surprising too was the fact, you know, like Talia and I both had been in medicine since like as like as soon as we could, you know, as soon as we got out of high school, we were both in medicine, so we weren't new to the idea either of like what we were getting into becoming PAs, and and. You know, so, you know, sometimes it's like this idea of like, oh, you just didn't know what you were getting into. And we knew what we were getting into and we loved medicine and, and you know, still do love medicine, but still, despite, you know, our passion for medicine and our drive to, to have careers in medicine still experience such, you know, significant burnout and realizing that, you know, if this happened to us, this is happening to other people and people just aren't talking about it. And mm -hmm. like she said, not having the resources available for, for people was a big deal. So we wanted yeah. to change that. And you're right. Nobody talks about it and they don't talk about it um, in terms of how soon it happens. I mean, really, that's that's a pretty short time. That's you're barely started paying off your student loans when you start feeling burned out, which can really make you feel like, holy cow, what have I gotten myself into? Right. Yeah. And there's, you know, more and more evidence that shows that as students graduate from their programs, they're already experiencing burnout from their PA programs. So they're actually entering the workforce already burnt out. And so I think it continues from, from there. And Hattie, when did you first start feeling stuck or burned out or 
like? Um, I was probably about seven, eight years into practicing as um, a psych PA, and I absolutely loved it. I'm very, very fortunate. I have an amazing mentor who had always kind of been there for me. I had great experiences um, and had an issue where I was trying to be able to do this, this trip that I had always wanted to do. And um, what had happened was suddenly like my, my mentor really wasn't, he wasn't there for me anymore. Um, and I just kind of like felt like the bottom drop out of things. And so while I was actually gone on my trip, I, I kept having these ideas of like, if I didn't come home, I wouldn't have to go back to work. If I didn't come <laughs> home, I wouldn't have to go back to work. And, and, and I seriously started thinking about like, well, maybe we could sell everything that we brought with us and never have to go home again. And I realized like, what, like what's happened? I, I wanted to be in medicine since I was a little kid and I love medicine like what what has happened and so that was like that was a big big moment for me um again I was very fortunate when I was when I came home I you know my mentor I was able to like hey man like have kind of a heart to heart with him and uh -huh. and able to make some changes to get things kind of back on track but um I know that like not everybody has that and has those resources either yeah and I love that you were on a trip you were in Africa right yeah, yeah. So we had planned to go for six months. Um, and um, then it got cut down to three months. And my mentor wasn't kind of supporting me and how long I wanted to be gone for. And so I finally I said six weeks, and they said four weeks. And I said, How about I don't come back? <laughs> and they said, Okay, six weeks is fine. Um, yeah, so we were down in, in Africa, and we spent six weeks just driving around to like five different countries and, and just exploring things. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was really, 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 you know, something I feel everybody should have the chance to do just be able to experience otherness, but, but it did, it put me in this place of like, what, what do I really want? And, and I'm realized how unhappy I had become. Mm -hmm. And it, there's nothing like getting away from your house, your job, just having time away to kind of reflect back on, is this what I really want my life to look like? Because you right. loved your job. So it wasn't like you had a a horrible job and a mean boss. And I mean, it was just, what do you think contributed to your burnout the most? Um, was that when looking back on it is, is the fact that my mentor was burnt out. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he had become burnt out. And so he kind of stopped being there for me. And I just kind of felt myself kind of floundering more and more and, you know, little things weren't being addressed. And so, and it's just like, so it was like being, you know, the, um, uh, I always forget the analogy if it's a frog in a pot of boiling water, yeah. I think it's the frog, you know, it was like that though. Like, you know, you start off and everything's really, really great. And you don't even realize how bad things are getting until, until you're away from the situation. Yeah. So you talked to your husband about maybe we don't want to go back. And did he, was he on board with that? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I probably could have talked him into it. He was the voice of reason. He was like, he was, he though, he was the voice of reason. We had our son with us and he was the, the voice of reason. Like, well, you know, what's going to happen for education and yeah. how are we actually going to pay our bills? And, you know, you, you can't practice here and <laughs> he uh -huh. couldn't get a job there. So but I, I, man, I just could have, I could have lived the rest of my life on a beach with that, like selling seashells or something like in, in South Africa, that would have been, I totally fine with that. And then when you came back, you said you were able to talk to your mentor and 
make some right. changes and make some changes. And that's when I realized too, that, that, oh, he's, he's burnt out because, um, you know, he was actually looking at trying to get out of a kind of his, his role in things in our, in our practice. Um, and shortly thereafter, he ended up getting out of it, but, um, was able to kind of, you know, just really have those important discussions with him about what things needed to change and what was lacking in order to kind of get that support again. Mm-hmm. And Talia, did you have a similar story where you feeling burned out and didn't feel like you could talk to your, your people at work? Um, yeah, I, I, well, I mean, my burnout kind of stemmed from moving from the clinical realm into PA education, which is a pretty steep learning curve. Um, and I was on a tenure track position. Um, so research was something that was, um, a large emphasis of what was expected and our program just didn't really have the infrastructure to support that. We didn't have anyone that was in research. We don't have like data analysis software. We don't have that. Um, And really our focus was educating PA students. And so finding time to do the research was nearly impossible. Um, And so I was kind of in this position where I was not as productive as I needed to be in that research area. Um, in order to be successful on the tenure track. Um, And I had spoken with, um, you know, my supervisors who, um, you know, and to let them know that I needed more time to do that, more support. And um, it wasn't something that, it was something that was kind of difficult for them to provide um, because they needed the teaching aspect of it. And so, I would, you know, submit things and keep getting rejections. And, you know, I was trying and doing everything I could, it felt like, and I was working all the time. Um, I was, and I mean, also in education, we're working in clinic as well. When you're an educator, you have the number of different hats that you have to wear. And, you know, at the same time, my clinic, my clinic work was demanding more and more. So the private clinic that I used to work for was like an occasional seven hour shift, you know, on weekends when they needed it. Mm. Um, they were bought out by a hospital system. So those seven hour shifts became 10 hour shifts. And then they had to be on a regular basis in order to stay employed there. You know, you had to work so many hours a month. And so those became 10 hour shifts. The 10 hour shifts became 13 hour shifts. And then those 13 hour shifts became 13 hour shifts. Plus now you have to be on call to come in for another 13 hour Mm. shift. So what was an occasional seven hours, you know, suddenly became like almost 20 up to 26 hours a week at the same time that, um, you know, I was expected to do more and more as far as research goes on my own time. And so I was working every weekend, every holiday. I mean, I was up until, I mean, I was working 17 hour days consistently. Wow. Like, you had two little kids at home, right? At that yeah. Time. Yeah, I did. I had two little toddlers at home. Um, so it was hard. I ended up missing um, like Easter, some Easter egg hunts and ended up missing my daughter meeting Santa. And, um, you know, that was really hard and it affected me, um, pretty significantly. And, you know, eventually kind of had to have a conversation with my job, you know, with my work and supervisors, say this, this is not going to work like this has to change. 
um, and was eventually able to get some support in that. Um, and when that changed, that did help quite a bit, but it was still a long road to recovery from there. Um, and ended up having, you know, to change my, my clinic position and, you know, had to make a number of changes in order to try and get back on the right track. And it's, I've heard y'all say before, it's not something you just get over. Like you can't just do a day of self pampering or take off a week and, you know, just make it go away. It's something that keeps coming back and you have to keep doing different right. things to treat it. Yeah. Oftentimes it's a structural problem. It's a, you know, we all know that it's a systemic problem. We know that the, you know, the problem is not me and that I don't meditate enough. Really the problem is that I'm expected to work 26 hours in clinic on top of my 60 hours, you know, that I'm expected to do with the university on top of another 20 to 30 hours of research work on top of that. And, and I have a family, like there's not enough time in the day. So meditating, isn't going to fix that for me, right? Doing more exercise isn't going to fix that for me. If I just do yoga, it's not going to make that better. I mean, it's a, it's a structural system or a structural problem. That's not to say that yoga and meditation can't help. They can help you cope with those type of things. But, but yeah, that's not the problem. Taking one day off is great, but you're still going to go back to the same environment. So, so something has to, to change. You have to change what you're doing or they have to change what they're doing. Like there are a number of different strategies that that can be implemented on both parts, but yeah, taking a day off or going on vacation for a couple of weeks is great, but you still go back to the same Mm -hmm. situation. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to, I was going to say, you know, and it's something that like, like, even if things do get better, like things got better for me, you know, I've still had to be very conscientious of like, when I start with new clinics is that's kind of part of what I do is I start up new psychiatric clinics. And whenever I am, you know, like teaching other people thing and teaching my staff how to kind of run things like I have to continually be setting boundaries, continually be setting expectations, Mm -hmm. because otherwise, you know, you do again become that frog in the pot of boiling water and things get out of control without you realizing it. And then you have a hard time figuring out like where to start on things because there's so much going on. So it is, it's a continual process, you know, assessing like what, where your boundaries are and saying no to this committee if you don't need to be on it. And no, I'm not going to take that shift for you. Not because I don't like you, but because I need to prioritize me and no, I don't need to be part of that. Right. And that's huge. I remember you talking about um, like your medical assistants and like, okay, I need your help with this and this and, you know, just putting up clear fences and <laughs> making right. it so up that front, those work upfront expectations <laughs> like with your, with your staff and, 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 you know, the people that you work with. Otherwise, otherwise you end up, you know, doing your job and their job. And that's just going to make you more, more bitter and burned out. Yeah. So we have these two mom PAs and y'all are both feeling burned out at some point. When did y'all get together and decide like, what? Do, maybe we should do something about this. Maybe we should help other PAs. Well, I think that started um, when, when Heidi and I started talking about it after I had my significant episode of burnout. Um, and, you know, we realized that there's not anything out there, particularly as far as PAs go. Um, and 
felt like we, you know, we spent a lot of time researching it. We've spent a lot of time, um, you know, experiencing it and um, felt like we had something to offer and said, you know, I think that, I think that we could potentially make a difference here for some people. Um, And so we kind of felt compelled to do that. I think there's a little bit of a, I think people, when they think of burnout, you know, kind of think that they can get over it, like you were saying, Hope. And really, we try to get away from that idea of, well, let's get over it. Like, there's not a cure. It's really, I think you have to change your mindset about it. And it's something that you manage, kind of like your weight. Like, you've always got to kind of keep it in check. And are you gaining weight? If you're gaining weight, you've got to cut back, you know, and if you're losing weight, well, maybe you can take on some more. So um, burnout is kind of similar in that it's something that you manage. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up um, deciding that that it was something that we really wanted to do was helping other people as far as that goes, educating them and advocating for um, wellness for PAs, because that was something that was not even a thought at the time. I mean, it wasn't even a thought a number of years ago, as far as PAs or nurse practitioners having burnout. Um, And so we really wanted to bring awareness to it and ended up establishing the burn clinic, which just got our nonprofit status um, about a month ago, which takes a while to get. So that was, that was exciting. Yeah. And so you help focus on, you help give PAs, um, tools to help with their burnout through this you have a course and then you can do some coaching yeah we so we approach it from a number of different angles because we know that again it's a complex issue so um, we've been trained to go into organizations and address burnout from an organizational standpoint so actually going into clinics and um, helping to improve um, the way the clinic flows and their overall efficiency Um, so so you you kind of do consulting is that right yeah. So, so we do consulting and coaching. Yeah. So from an organizational standpoint, we also do have a course um, that individuals can take, but we also implement it are starting to implement it in PA programs across the country. Um, huge. Yeah. To help give um, PA students some education on burnout. So they know what to expect and they know kind of what to do to help themselves as they encounter it in their careers. Um, and then also, you know, coaching an individual. So they also can do the course and then individual coaching for those who are experiencing burnout. And in y'all's individual lives, like when your husbands found out you were going to start this burnout group, were they like, hold up, <laughs> you're already <laughs> burned out. Why are you putting more on your plates? <laughs> and- I think Heidi and I are both super fortunate. Like we have these amazing husbands that just support us in whatever we're doing. And I think they, they know the importance of it. You know, having seen us suffer from, from the same thing. Um, And they, they tolerate us, you know, like going, spending time doing this and they know that we're passionate about it. And they've just been amazingly supportive. Yeah. And, you know, you hear people say when you're looking for your purpose, you know, and and I believe we have more than one purpose, but when you're looking for that thing that kind of lights you up, one way to look at it is to 
look at yourself five years ago or a few years ago, your younger self, and what did you need? So I love that that's exactly what y'all have done. You've needed what you are offering now. Like if y'all had this resource, then, you know, maybe it wouldn't have, maybe it would have been easier to go through. Right. And, and, and totally, totally agree. And I think that's why, you know, we get still support from our, our spouses too, is knowing that like, you know, this is kind of for a greater good. And, and, you know, ideally we would like to have just this access to, to all PAs and organizations and students, you know, so that they know what they're getting into, even if they think they already know, like, like we probably did and, and being able to just have it, have it out there. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that this side gig, if you want to call it that, or this side passion, that seems to light both of you up in a way that most people might think burnout. That's something that, you know, who would get excited about that? But y'all seem to really be into it. And like, it's, it's your mission to help other people who are going through it. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, you know, we've done a lot of other kind of like work behind the scenes, you know, just developing, developing the program and the platform, but also working, you know, with our our national organization to be on, you know, a, a task force and to do research and get papers out there and just really, 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 you know, be a part of a burnout for PAs and in multiple kind of aspects. So, you know, we have, we have our business, the burn clinic, like that Talia talked about, we address, you know, students and organizations and individuals, but we also are working with our national organization and trying to work on getting access out there to, to more people and still working on the research and, all these other, all these other things behind the scene too, to just really be the best educated and prepared for this so that we can do the best for other people that, that we can do. Yeah. And I see burnout in a lot of different fields, you know, I'm sure y'all do too, especially Heidi mm-hmm. working in psychiatry, talking to patients. Um, I had a lady on the podcast the other day who worked in IT and she was talking about feeling burned out. And I mean, it just, it bled over into her home life and affected everything and she ended up leaving the job but um, I guess for somebody who's listening who maybe they're not even a physician assistant but they're feeling super burned out do you have any advice like where can they turn what what can they do to just sort of come up for air so a couple a couple of thoughts um one is you know like you're still starting with kind of that the idea of the self-care, because a big part of self-care is boundaries, being able to say no to the extra meetings, no to the extra committees, no to the extra shifts. It's, you know, Talia and I have this saying, it's not about just saying no to them, it's about saying yes to you, prioritizing you, that you are worth having that extra time and you are worth, you know, saying no to, to other people. So being able to just start to set even small boundaries and work on that self-care, being able to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take, you know, care of yourself, you can't take care of others. That's as far mm-hmm. back as you know, the theory of medicine goes. And um, so setting, sending batteries, taking care of yourself. And I also am a big proponent of kind of having a, like an ideal, understanding what your ideal job looks like because you don't, you're never going to get 
to where you want to be if you don't know what you really want. Yeah. You know, a lot of us just um, stand around in our own misery, but we don't know what to do about it. And without kind of really analyzing what we want, you know, it's never going to change. Mm-hmm. And we also don't like having uncomfortable conversations with our higher ups, you know? <laughs> right. Well, and that's the other piece of it, Hope, is that, you know, once you know what you want, then it becomes an issue of communicating what you want. People don't intuitively know what it is that you want or what it is that you need, even though we think that they should, or we think that, you know, it should be common sense for them, or even if we think that we've told them in the past. Um, And oftentimes they just don't. So you have to be able to advocate for yourself in those organizational um, situations. Yeah. And y'all have some, some resources on your website too. Um, yeah, one of the things I, I, you know, tell people too is like the only difference between whining and progress is having a solution. Yes. So, so if you're going to complain about it, it means nothing. You're just whining. You're just adding to the problem. But if you have a solution, then you can advocate for yourself. It's easier to have those conversations, uh-huh. and then you have a solution, and you you put that power back into your control. That is so true. And if you're griping to your coworkers, all that negative energy, mm-hmm. it's not, it's just not propelling it. you forward. It's just sinking you deeper in this mire of muck. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you got to have those conversations and it, how are y'all doing now as far as your, your work life balance, it, balance in quotation marks? <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I said before, you know, I, burnout is something that you manage. It's not something that there's a cure for. You're not ever going to get over it. You're always at risk for experiencing it. And so you always have to do frequent check-ins. But I mean, for for myself, I am light years away from where I was, you know, a number of years ago. I mean, I I have time with my kids now and um, get to enjoy those things. And you know, there's no, I just won't let myself get to the point where I do miss out on those really important moments with them. I, you know, I, I'm able to make that a priority and to recognize when I'm getting too deep, you know, to where I am starting to give up those things that mean a lot to me and, and where to cut back. So um, overall, like I'm super happy with life and where things are at and, you know, the only way that I could have gotten here is to have gone through that experience that I did. So as terrible as it was, you know, I think that a lot of good has come from it. We, you know, have the burn clinic now. We try to help other people now. I have balance now. And so, you know, you even got tenure, right? And I did, I did. I ended up getting tenure. So, you know, it, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. That's great. What about you, Hattie? Well, I think one of the things that actually kind of really keeps me going and where I feel fortunate is, is actually that Talia and I are doing this as, you know, also like a partnership. So we do still have to work weekends sometimes, but instead of having to spend one person spending their whole weekend work on it, we're able to like bounce things off of each other and kind of balance it out and be able to, you know, delegate to each other or volunteer extra time to each other too, to be able to, to make it happen. Because 
um, because it is a lot. It's a, and it's a lot on top of, you know, your, your regular job and, and, and other life expectations because things, things happen where sometimes those need more time too. So I think, um, just having that and having that support and, you know, with having you hope around too, was, is really wonderful just to know that there's extra kind of support and, and, and resources there for, for people as well. And, you know, you're part of the, the online, the PA, um, wellness and burnout group too, that was, part of the other stuff behind the scenes that I was saying that we do, but you've been very helpful in that and being a good resource for people. And, and so thank you for what you're doing too. And y'all there's like, if you are a physician assistant, there's like 5,000 people in this group. So you certainly will feel like you're not alone. And um, if you're not in the medical field, I encourage you to reach out to other people and not to have a gripe fest, but to get support because you're not alone. And there are other people I'm sure who are feeling the same burnout, you know, kind of down in the dumps. I don't know if I want to go to work. Maybe if I get in a car wreck, I could like stay home for a few days. Like it's, you're not alone. Burnout, not it's, it's definitely um, in our society, very common. Right. Right. And just like, just like you said, Hope, you know, it's not, it's not unique to us as PAs. It's not unique to us in the medical field, but um, do be careful, be careful. Misery love, misery loves company. And, and that just makes things worse. So be careful of not just having like the bitch fest, but reaching out to mm-hmm. positive resources and people who are kind of trained to, to be out there and be supportive so that you get that power back in your life and take control back over the situations because you know, you're, we're all, we're all human beings and we all choose where we're at in our destiny to some degree. So take control back over things. Yes. Stop being a victim and and look at your situation and ask, what can I do? And what am I gaining? I'm just going off on a brief tangent. What can I do? What am I gaining by being stuck and being a victim? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times there is something that, you know, you can keep complaining about it if you're a victim, but if you step up to the plate, then you're going to have to actually make some changes and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's one of the things that we, you know, that we say frequently is yes, the healthcare system is broken, but you don't have to be a victim. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't have to be a victim of the healthcare system. You can help yourself. And so, yes, there are things that you don't have control over, but there are also a lot of things that you do have control over. So it is kind of getting over that mentality of I can't do anything and, and that, that type of victim mentality. And you have to be able to overcome that in order to move forward. Can I get a amen? <laughs> <laughs> amen, sister. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for joining me and tell everybody where they can find you. Okay, so you can find us on our website. It's www.theburnclinic.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Burn Clinic or our Facebook group is PA Wellness and Burnout. Yeah, and I'll put their resources um, on the on the show notes. Thanks again, y'all. Thank you for having us. It was a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Here are your take-home messages from Talia and Heidi. Number one, burnout can affect every aspect of your life and your ability to function. It's extremely common and can occur at any time, even five years after starting work. Number two, you can still love your career and be burned out. Number three, use your mess to be your message. Heidi and Talia both went through burnout and used it as a message to help others.
Number four, notice if you're thinking about ways to escape work, including internal debates or external about never returning from your vacation. This is a sign. (laughs) Number five, time off won't cure burnout, but it can help you discern what you really want in life. Number six, burnout is often a systemic problem. It's not necessarily a problem with you not doing enough self-care like meditation. Doing more exercise isn't going to help with a structural problem. Taking one day off doesn't change the situation when you come back. So it may be that you're seeing too many patients, your workload is too much, you don't have enough help, um, things like that. Number seven, setting boundaries is an ongoing necessity. Constantly assess how you're giving away your time and energy. Put up fences and have clear expectations about what you expect from your assistants so you don't end up doing your job and their job. Number eight, people have the misperception they can get over burnout. Like weight loss, you just manage it. It's not something you can cure and never have to deal with again. Number nine, to figure out what your thing is, think of something you're passionate about, something you'd like to spread awareness about, or something that gets you fired up. Number 10, boundaries aren't about saying no to others. It's about saying yes to you. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Number 11, you'll never get to where you want to be without analyzing and visualizing what it is you want. Once you know what you want, you need to communicate it. Others can't intuit what you need. Number 12, the only difference between whining and progress is having a solution. Once you think of a solution, you can advocate for yourself and put power back into your control. Number 13, don't have a gripe fest. Take back control. We choose our destinies. Ask yourself what you're gaining by being stuck and being a victim. If you step up to the plate, you're going to have to make some changes. The healthcare system or education system or wherever you work may be broken. And yes, there may be things you don't have control over, but there are always plenty of things that you do have control over. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you like this podcast and think someone else could benefit, please share it. I'd also love for you to write a review on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or Apple. And lastly, if you would like more of the same, come over to my website, hopethepa.com. Thank y'all for listening.